Welcome to HopeNet Radio, connecting generations to save lives from destructive lifestyles and suicide. Suicide was definitely something that was on my mind a lot. I wanted the pain of life to just stop. My dad is kind of verbally abusive, and he's also a workaholic. When I was hanging around with a bad group, I got raped. I was angry with God for the longest time. A couple weeks ago, my cousin hung himself. I really need to get closer to God. I just slipped so far. HopeNet Radio. It's HopeNet Radio. You can talk with a live spiritual coach anytime at HopeNet360.com. Now, here are the hosts of HopeNet Radio, Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome to HopeNet Radio. It is the show where conversations save lives. I'm Jeff. I'll be your host tonight. And with me, DW, what are you doing over there? What am I doing? Well, you know what? I'm trying to to give this um, room a little bit more definition because there's no definition in it. So we're trying to do that. So when you come in, it actually looks like a room instead of just a, a big empty space. Nice. And tonight, Dave, we are starting a new series. Yeah, we're calling it Reframing, a reframing series. And, you know, it, it, it may sound like we're trying to, to um, reinvent something, but we're not. We're trying to figure out... Uh, what things looked like originally. Have you ever restored anything? Uh, Jason, have you ever restored something? I, I have. And what do you do when you restore it? You kind of make it new. But it's old. But it's old. Yeah, but you go back and try and give it its original look and its original, you know, you restore it. And, That's right. And, and really the reframing kind of idea is going back to restore the original thoughts that we get from the Bible and from those who went before us, from God himself, on different concepts, like the the idea of love or the idea of marriage or the idea of fatherhood or what's it, you know, what does the Bible talk about as it talks about these things? Because in time, what happens is um, people change definitions. And because they change definitions, the whole concepts are lost. And And so when you're talking to somebody, it's hard to talk. If I come to somebody and say, you need to love your neighbor, many do not know what I just said. You know, what does that mean? Be tolerant of their evil? Does that mean accept their evil? Does that mean they have no evil? Does that mean bring them a cupcake? I mean, what does it mean to love your neighbor? And I think what we have to do with a discussion is to be able to bring it to the point where we help clarify the definition. So it, 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 there's a chart. I think you're going to have this chart on our, our website, aren't you? Yep. Yeah, I'm going to post that. Okay. Uh, it, there's there's a way that we think, and I love processing things in, in a way that makes sense so that we understand it. Um, definitions in life actually bring clarity to us. The clarity then brings certainty, and the certainty brings about peace. Now, now let me try and help you understand that. Clarity, if, if you're not sure how you're supposed to act in a certain situation, you're going on a job interview or you're playing a sport, and you're not sure what you're supposed to do, there's no clarity there, then you're not certain. You go into it kind of timidly. And, and when you go into it kind of timidly, you know, it looks like you don't know what you're doing, that kind of thing. And that certainly doesn't bring peace. In fact, it brings you anxiety as you're doing that. So if you had the right definition, it brings about clarity, which brings about certainty in life, which brings about peace. Now, the lack of definition goes the other way. The lack of de- definition actually brings obscurity. In other words, and nobody knows what I'm talking about. That obscurity brings about uncertainty, which brings about hopelessness, because now you don't know anything that's going on. You're not really sure if you have a good marriage. You're not sure if you're a good parent. You're not sure. I mean, you're not sure of anything anymore because there's no defining way to 
tell you that you're okay. So hopefully that makes sense to people. What we want to do in this program and the next few programs, I think, is to talk about some simple concepts, give them the definition that was meant for them, so that as we have a dialogue, we actually know what we're talking about. Uh, otherwise, you know, we could be talking about love and family and, man, you got to, you know, think about this or that. And, and everyone has their own little filters and nobody knows what we just said. So hopefully we can get there and, and talk about different things in the, in the terms. You know, Abraham Lincoln um, is a guy we love to quote because the guy actually had his act together. And um, he said once, if I was going to, I think it was the, the quote, if I have it right, if I'm going to chop wood for five hours, I'm going to spend the first hour sharpening my axe. And uh, I, I heated my house with wood for 35 years. And I'm telling you something, it pays to sharpen my chainsaw before I start. Mm -hmm. It makes it so much easier to sharpen that chainsaw. And when it begins to get dull, it makes sense to stop and sharpen it again, or you work so hard at trying to get the same job done. And I think that's what we're trying to do here with definitions. We're trying to pause for a minute sharpen up the definition so that when we talk, we actually go somewhere and get something accomplished because of the way we're talking. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes crystal sense. That's that's totally clear to me. Right. But I think it becomes confusing in our society because we see a lot of different examples. A lot of people want to meld different ideas together. And like you said, Dave, it just brings confusion because we don't have right definitions. We live, we like to live, for some reason, we like to live in obscurity. We right. like to live in a place where we try to bring in two equating ideas. We've talked about this before on the show, but we're going to bring some more of this together and talk about how to reframe even ourselves, our personal beliefs, some of our stories, some of our, you know, the issues that we have, we're going to try to reframe this in a way that actually makes sense to us. And when things make sense, that's when we have peace. That's the byproduct of this. So that's the goal on the show. We also have Tara Kay in studio with us tonight. Welcome back, Tara. Thanks. Yeah. And Tara, I understand that Human Trafficking Awareness Day is coming up very soon. It is. Every year on January 11th, it's National Human Trafficking Awareness Day. And this year, um, like we've done for the last six years, I've been holding a rally in Oshkosh called Human Trafficking Awareness Day Rally. We call it Stop the Traffic, Make Some Noise. So if you are, if anybody is, you know, wanting to participate in something to raise awareness about human trafficking, please come join us in Oshkosh down by the Sundial. It's right on Main Street. And we'll be there from 11 to 1 on, it's Monday, January 11th. Um, if you're not able to make it during the day, um, you know, you can help us out by raising awareness. Go to our website, um, damascusroadproject.org. And, you know, we are encouraging people to change your Facebook picture. Anything that you can do to help raise awareness yeah, if you're not able to it. <laughs> that does not raise awareness about your traffic. It's, it's not It's not Halloween day. Oh, okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm thinking she says stop traffic, make noise. Are you not from Chicago? Is that not a, is that not unusual? It's traffic with a CK on the end. There Human trafficking. Stop the traffic, uh, makes the noise. So we'll be holding, we hold up signs. You're to a guy that doesn't know how to spell. <laughs> We hold up signs, um, a group of us. This year, we're going to have some students from Oshkosh North High School join us, and we'll be holding up signs, um, just raising awareness about human trafficking for people that pass by. There cool. are some other um, great organizations in the area. I think um, Sarah with More Precious Than Rubies is going to be doing one in Green Bay. Oh, so yeah. we can, you know, if you're in maybe, you know, more the Green Bay to Pier area, you want to get involved and get information posted about anything and other rallies that are going on as well. Tara Kay just set us up beautifully, though. The idea of re 
framing. She talked about uh, something as a Chicago guy, the, the traffic and noise. See, I, I didn't know what she was talking about. I'm thinking, well, that's normal. And, and, and she reframed it for me. And rubies, I'm a guy. I could care less about rubies. It, you know what I mean? But I understand what she's saying because of the way she framed it. So she set us up good for the program because that's what we're talking about. We need to understand definitions so that we can get to, together and actually talk and understand what we're saying. It's always fun, Tara. Every time I mention human trafficking, it's like, I just get you off on, on going on this. <laughs> this is something you're so passionate about. We're going to talk about this more later on the show, but I'm also excited. We have an interview with some, uh, with a young gentleman who is here living in America and he's got a tremendous story. So we're going to share that with you tonight. Kind of the goal of tonight is we want to help you in 2016 point you to the source of hope. A lot of times there are things that come up in our day to day life, things that are going on that sometimes they just steal our joy. Let's be honest. There are things that yep. really do wrap us up and get us tangled up. Yep. And we next thing we know, our world is upside down and we're feeling hopeless and we're feeling like we're just, you know, peace is the furthest thing from our heart right now. And I don't know where you're at tonight. Maybe the holidays have been difficult for you. I know sometimes that has been a challenge for a lot of people. There are always live coaches available at HopeNet360.com. And I just want to remind you tonight, you are not alone. You're not going through this alone. You're not by yourself. You're not, you know, no one's left you out there and hoping that you just barely hold on and make it. No, God wants you to live a life that that is full and that is satisfying and that is filled with peace. And tonight, if you're not feeling peace, come and chat with one of our live coaches. We'd love for you to be a part of that. And we're going to fire up the tweet back tonight. If you're on Twitter, use the hashtag HNRTB. We'd love to know your thoughts as we go on in this show tonight. Be a part of the conversation, the last show of 2015. I cannot believe that, guys. It's going to be a lot of fun. So keep it right here on HopeNet Radio. Are you hurting? Stressed out? Need somebody to talk to? Chat with a live spiritual coach anytime at HopeNet360.com. Hey, I'm Tiger McLuhan from Youth Leadership. Recharge is coming to Green Bay this February. We know a lot of adults, parents, a lot of youth ministries that are filled with caring people who love children and love kids, but haven't really had the opportunity to be equipped, given practical ideas on how to do that desire more effectively. Every children's ministry worker, every youth worker hopes that their ministry makes a difference in their small group works and confirmation impacts those kids, but hope is not a strategy. To learn more about Recharge, visit ministryrecharge.com. This is HopeNet Radio. Feel free to email the show, hope at hopenet360.com. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome back to HopeNet Radio. Join us in the tweet back tonight. Use the hashtag HNRTV if you're on Twitter. You can also chat with us. You can email us anytime at hope at hopenet360.com. If you have a thought tonight, Tara, maybe you can introduce Joshua to us. Tara works with World Relief. You brought some friends today. I did bring some friends. So we had, if you've heard our last couple episodes, we did um, talking about refugees. And I happened to bring some of my friends with me that I've helped to resettle. They recently moved to the United States and we've helped resettle them through World Relief. Um, we have uh, Shadrach, who was a pastor in uh, Congo and in Uganda. And then his son, Joshua, who's 17 and goes to school in Oshkosh at Oshkosh North. Um, and they're just going to share a little bit about their experience. Cause you know, we were talking before about what kind of experiences people have when they come here. And I know it can be really hard sometimes, especially for young people, if they have transitions in their life, uh, moving to, you know, maybe they didn't have the choice to move or just starting a new school or something. It can be really hard to transition to a new life or yeah. what home is, you yeah. know, we might not all think of home as a wonderful, warm place, or it might look different from somebody else's home. So 
Joshua is going to share with us a little bit about what home is like for him and what it's like coming to a new home now here in the U.S. Yeah, and welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Thank you for allowing me to come here. I'm honored and I'm privileged to be here. Uh, my name is Joshua. My, uh, my parents fled to Uganda due to a civil war in our country, due to tribal differences, and they would kill you because of a different tribal, because you are of that tribe that they don't like. So when they fled to Uganda, we lived in Uganda for about 15 years. The life was not that easy. It was coming like when someone just gets you and throws you into a land where you don't know, into no man's land and you don't have relatives, you don't know anyone, you just know yourself. And it was not easy. We just reached a certain place and my, 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 we just realized we were there, but we didn't know what to do. We, know where, we didn't know where to stay. We didn't know where to sleep. So life was harder. But... By God's grace, uh, some people there welcomed us, were good to us. So we were able to get where to stay. We started life where no one saw life. And uh, those people who were in our country, were telling, uh, in the Congo, were telling us, why are you coming to Uganda yet? Yet you have no one who knows you. But with all that, for all those years, education was hard. Life was I don't know what I can call it. It was a nightmare mm. by then. But with all this suffering, these were years of relentless economic hardships. We were like God's plant growing on poor soils without tenderness. It was a life where you could look at your parent and your parent tells you to look at God. Mm. And when you look at God, you would say, where is God? I know God is there. In those moments where you feel you, you are giving up, Death was the only solution you could look at by then. Mm. But our eyes had a vision, had a determination. Besides suffering and poverty, our souls had a spirit that saw far ahead from what we are in. Wow. Where is home for you? Uh, right now, because I'm in America, I believe this is becoming my home. Because uh, if I say my home country, I fret there. So I can't say that I have a home right now. But I believe the country that I am in, because I believe all people are the same despite the differences in color. But where I am right now is my home. Uh, when you found out that you were coming to the U.S., mm -hmm. how did you feel? Uh, yeah, for the first time, you're, you're pretty excited I think the pressure goes beyond the normal pressure that someone has. You feel actually it's a dream that it has awakened. You feel there is hope that it's going to happen because you're going to come to America, which is one of the strongest countries that everyone dreams to come to. I find it interesting that um, we're talking about reframing, and I would enjoy or I would encourage um, people listening to us to think about 17-year-olds uh, that they know and compare what they understand to what Joshua has been talking about. Um, it kind of reframes life. I, I enjoyed my time in Africa and Uganda and um, enjoyed uh, speaking there and being with the people there. And, and anywhere I've gone around the world, the brothers and sisters in Christ have have been uh, great encouragements. And I, and I have found that in one way, everything is the same. Sin causes separation, it causes problems, it needs to be dealt with, it's dealt with the same way. Uh, 
the issues are certainly different because of of money and and uh, other things that really get in the way of those uh, in the United States often of even having a relationship with one another or having a relationship with God. Um, while I was in Uganda, I was very almost jealous of the people there because they had nothing. They had a wonderful relationship with God. And, and because they had nothing, they had wonderful relationships with each other many times because of the adversity and et cetera. And it's just uh, an encouragement to hear you now here in the United States. And I would encourage you, Joshua, I would encourage you to understand that God has allowed you to come to our country and to bring a message of hope with you in a perspective to help us redefine life because all of the very important things in life you do understand just like we can understand and you can give us a new perspective and a new way to think about things. So I pray and hope that uh, your time with us is something that allows you to minister as well as us being able to minister to you. Yeah, and I think that's incredibly important. And I, I look at your story. I mean, I grew up here and now you're coming here. And in a lot of ways, you have probably even more appreciation than I do. What's one thing that you have noticed about culture here that's quite a bit different or something that, that just stands out to you now that you've been here for a few months? Uh, when I came here, I realized that I was disappointed because the, the culture difference, the perception of people, and the way they live was quite different because kind of you find that in Africa you have to you get time with your friends and you get time you get time for it. But kind of here, people live on time and time becomes their master. So mm. it's something that really shut me down. But with that, I knew it was life, and I had to move on and live the life that I was that God has given me. All right, when we come back, we're going to continue our conversation with Joshua and hear more of his story, because I think everybody needs to hear this, and it's going to set up what we're going to talk about in the second half of HopeNet Radio, in that we're going to talk about the reframing part of it, and really about my identity, what's real at my core, and how, even how God has wired me and brought me to a point in my life where, you know, I need to, I need to understand what really matters in my life to give some perspective. So we're going to talk about this as we go on in the show. Join us tonight. You can use the hashtag HNRTB for hanging out with us on Twitter. And also check out tonight's show notes. We've got some pictures, some stuff there. And the conversation will continue here on HopeNet Radio. We're connecting parents with their teens in real conversations that save lives. HopeNet Radio on Q90FM. Hi, I'm Tara Kay. World Relief is excited to partner with HopeNet Radio listeners this Christmas to provide welcome kits for newly resettled refugees. World Relief Fox Valley has resettled 135 refugees this year in Northeast Wisconsin. Show them what Christmas is all about by giving the gift of a welcome kit. Check out HopeNet360.com slash welcome. That's HopeNet360.com slash welcome. This is HopeNet Radio. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter Hashtag HNR. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome back to the show. Human Trafficking Awareness Day is coming up January 11th. Find out details on that at HopeNet360.com. Jeff, DW with you tonight. We got Tara Kay on the show. We got Jason in studio. And we're sitting down with Joshua and hearing some of his story coming from Uganda. You were born in the Congo, is that correct? Yep. Yeah, so... And he's just been here just a few months. And just your perspective, Joshua, is, is incredible. And you said something interesting as you were just talking about time and how Americans view time, how we respond to it, really. In America, we, we do do some things differently. And I'm sure you've noticed it. How do we do things differently? Uh, on the side of time, actually, I was reading something and someone said that 
uh, when I was little, I was dying to finish school. And then when I was finished with school, I was dying to have marriage. Then I was having marriage. I was dying so that my children grow up so that I retire from, uh, from all that. But he realized he had not lived. That's what he said. So kind of time is good and we have to keep it. But does time cause people not to live? Well, that's interesting. And again, you know what's, what's interesting is I, I think some of their time issue is because of the road conditions in, in the Congo um, in, in Uganda. It takes you forever to get anywhere. And so if somebody says they're coming, you have no idea when they're actually going to get there. But the bottom line really is anything that's really good. And I think um, having relationships obviously is what God is all about. He's not about, uh, you know, cranking out factory kind of things. He, he's a God of relationships where we need to spend time with them. And I think in our country what has happened is people think they're spending time, investing time, but they're not. It, because they're 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 just wasting time on things that are insignificant and and things that are going into their head that are reframing things the way they shouldn't be, but the the bottom line really is when you think about time is that anything good can become something that destroys you too. So you could manage your time so well that you manage relationships right out of it. Something I've learned years ago as as one who grew up in Chicago and in a, in the United States is that I actually. If I'm going to manage my time, I have to put spots in there for relational time. I mean, I have to do that. And uh, and that's very helpful because in, in that particular sense, I'm saying every day I'm going to spend this amount of time with my wife. And if somebody would come and say, I want you to speak or do something, I would look at my calendar and say, sorry, that time is already booked, you know, right now. And and so I, I try and use time that way. And that's, I guess, the point I was trying to make is I'm, I'm wondering there's got to be a balance there somewhere because there there are things that that can be done differently uh, in, in Uganda and the Congo and here in the United States, and we could learn from each other's cultures. I think from the time I was in Uganda, I really enjoyed their worship. I, I enjoyed how they, they enjoyed God legitimately, and it was so different than many of the churches in the United States. I enjoyed the fact that they did sit and talk with you, and they weren't in a hurry to go somewhere. And I mean, it, it, that was very enjoyable. But at the same point, there were things that could not get done because of that. And, 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 and that, I guess, is, is what I'm trying to reframe, is how we get around to enjoying both those things. You know, that's something I even noticed in my time in Northern Ireland, is, is how even they use time differently from us in America. Like you said, Dave, I think there's a balance to it. And I think in America, we've almost gone to the opposite extreme. And um, I think Joshua is kind of hinting at this, where we let time control us because right. we're so focused. I mean, you look at the average work week that American works and it's well over 40 right. easily, easily. And so it's trying to find that balance of saying, you know, this, there's a gift of relationships, you know, God built us and designed us as relational beings. Yeah. And so where does that fit in? And I think that's, that's key. But relationships take time. Absolutely. So, so in in essence, what you want to do is manage the time so that you can have relationships in them. I, right. I I don't know how many young men I've told you just need to get up earlier in the morning. Oh, why do I do that? Because nobody's around and you can sit with God and nobody's there yet. If your children get up at four in the morning, you need to stay up later at night. You know, I mean, one of the two. But but to be able to find the time to spend with God and to spend and spend time with. And the ironic part is. When I say spend time with God, it's like, oh, yeah, there's a segment I spend time with God that I'm not with him. No, you're with him all day. But there's a time that you, you carve out and are exclusively just 
uh, reading the scriptures and spending time just listening, being with God. It's like two people that are getting to know each other, dating relationship. It, it, they often say, well, I want to be alone with that person for a little bit. I want to talk to them. I want to hear their heart. I want to, and if we're always in the middle of a crowd, I can't do that. So, so relationally, you know, we've said it so many times on this program, you are going to be messed up in your, your, your relationship with God if you make it an arrangement. And that's what I think where the danger comes in time. So, so if we make it an arrangement, say I've got this 10 minutes, I've got that one hour, I've got this, then you're going to be in trouble. If I act like I'm married for this next half hour, but I'm not, you know, a half hour after that, I'm in trouble. But the bottom line is I'm always married. I am always a child of God, and I need to act that way and love God and love my wife and love my children. And at the same point, I need to use time to enhance the most important things, relationships, and, and, and then time is a good thing instead of something that isn't. In fact, the Bible tells us to count our days and to, to use them well and, and to make sure that by the end of the day we've been productive. And sometimes when we go the other side of that, we're not using the time well, and a lot of good things don't happen. So somewhere in there, there's a balance that we have to find. I'm interested in, in your experience with school, education. What is that like for you? How was that kind of transition for you? Was that, is that difficult? Actually, I went to schools in Uganda. I was privileged that I went to schools which speak British English and some good English. And so I was able to, when I reached here, I know it was kind of hard for me to transfer my transcripts and all papers so that I changed them here. It was a long process and it was pretty hard, but I thank God that I knew English so it was easier for me to enter into the American system and catch up with life. So what language do you speak besides English? Uh, I speak Luganda. I speak uh, my homeland language, and that's Kinyamulenge. Yeah. <laughs> that's a lot. <laughs> very smart kid. It's good he didn't get resettled there in Chicago because they don't speak British English <laughs> at all. There. Yeah, so come to Green Bay, Appleton, Wisconsin, where we actually speak real English. Yeah. I have a friend that's actually um, down in, he lives in Uganda, but he goes into the Congo every day that, with uh, Wycliffe, who's translating the Bible into various um, dialects down in the Congo. So um, sometime when we're off air, I'll have to ask you if you know him. And so school, how does a school day differ from growing up? Uh, here, what I like from school here, here, you work hard, but there you work too much. How so? In Africa, you have to exploit yourself. You have to read too much. And even what's not important, but here you work hard and get the most qualitative part of education. But there you get quantity, and that quantity can't make quality. Mm. So that becomes the most negative thing about education there. What's your favorite, what subject do you enjoy learning about the most in school? Uh, I like gym because it's, <laughs> in Africa I didn't have gym, so I'm kind of excited about gym, going to classes, swimming and everything. So it's a pretty nice, it's a pretty nice class there. Yeah. Yeah. What kind of, what's, uh, do you have a, a dream for your future of what you might want to do? when you're done with school or even college, and then what would you like to do for a job in the future? Uh, I want to do something in the medical department, and I believe it will help me even if I go back to Uganda because I believe they, even though they don't have the best, but since I'm, I'm in the best country with the best people and with the strongest men, that's what I believe. I believe if I take that best 
like an imposing into Uganda and make them what I dream. That's awesome. That's really cool. I wish you well on that, and, and thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story with us. Are you going to stick around for the rest of the show with us tonight? Yep. All right, let's do that, and uh, we're going to continue on. We're going to open up this conversation about reframing, what this really means, and how I look at myself, because I think uh, one of the things that Socrates said, he was famous uh, as far as a sociologist goes and philosopher. He was the one that coined the phrase, know thyself, and I think knowing ourself is probably the most difficult person I'd ever met on this planet. So we're going to talk about this on the second half of Hope Day Radio. Stick around for that. Join us tonight on the tweet back. Hang out with us. Use the hashtag HNRTV. Be a part of this conversation, and it will continue here on HopeNet Radio. Feel like nobody cares? We do. HopeNet360.com has an online crisis chat line powered by Groundwire. A live coach is available to talk right now at HopeNet360.com. Hi, this is Dave Wager, a voice you normally hear on HopeNet Radio, and I'd love to invite you, our listening guest, to a special weekend at the Wolf River Refuge, sponsored by Silver Birch Ranch, a time where we get together and learn how to really study the Bible. We call it Digging Deeper. It'll be held February 19th to 21st. You can find more information at wolfriverrefuge.org. It's HopeNet Radio. You can talk with a live spiritual coach anytime at HopeNet360.com. Now, here are the hosts of HopeNet Radio, Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome to the second half of HopeNet Radio. Jeff, DW, Jason, Tara Kay, and our good friend Joshua, who has joined us for this episode of HopeNet Radio. Glad that you've joined us here on the show. Get connected with us. You can send us your thoughts anytime on the show. Be a part of this conversation with us. Any questions that you have for Joshua or for Tara Kay or for us on the show, thoughts you have, you can email us at hope at hopenet360.com or, you know, jump on Twitter. Use the hashtag HNRTB. Joshua, are you on Twitter yet? No. Do you even know what Twitter is? Have you heard of Twitter? No, I use Facebook. I'm you use Facebook? Facebook. Yeah. Awesome. So, there you go. You can <laughs> find our friend Joshua maybe on Facebook. Anyway, glad that you joined us here for the show. Dave, we are starting a new series coming into January here, and I want to open up the dialogue and, and talk about the whole idea of reframing. And we started out the show kind of joking around reframing a wall and that sort of thing. When I think of this word reframing, to me it says there was once something, if I'm reframing a house, Maybe it's a room in the house. I'm, I'm taking something that once was really good. It was, it was structurally sound or whatever. And I'm taking it. Maybe I'm repurposing it for something else, adding a doorway or adding some closet space. Or I'm taking something that has been sagging and deteriorating for years and I'm rebuilding it so it can be structurally sound again. This whole idea of reframing it once was something good and it's over time, it's kind of deteriorated. Is the same thing true for us? Do we need to reframe some things in our life? It is. And I, and, and I think even at my age, uh, there's some things you can't reframe because I think I am seriously deteriorating and sagging in places that I'm never going to fix again. So, um, <laughs> However. TMI. Yeah, TMI. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> um, but you know what? It, what's interesting is, is just talking about what makes something important. A lot of times when we don't have a clear definition, we lose the importance of something. For example, why is it that a person is important? What is it that gives a person value? And if you miss out on that, you're going to be in trouble because you won't have any idea why. And then the idea of abortion, the idea of other things don't make any sense to you because you don't have this clearly understood. Let me ask you, maybe Jason, in a, in a, in a general way, what gives anything value? Um, I think it depends on, on your view of it. Okay. So if you have something at home that you value, 
right. that you think is important. All right. And I walk in and I don't think it's important. Right. Is it still valuable? Uh, to me, yes. To you, no. Okay. And what gives it its value then? The individual. Okay. The fact that you value it. Right. Okay. That's what gives it its value. Yeah. I have some things in my house that someone might look at and say, boy, that's an old piece of junk. And I'm going, you know, it may be, but it was my dad's. Yeah. And, and, and because of that, I have value to it. I have on the wall of my house a letter he wrote me when I was in the hospital as an 11-year-old kid and being operated on and uh, struggling with my, my health. And he wrote me a, a, this long letter on birch bark, and it still hangs in my house. The birch bark is, is 48 years old. It is faded. It is ugly. And someone might ask, you know, why don't you put some up there that looks nice? You know, and I'm thinking, because that's extremely valuable to me. Hmm. Now, when we understand that, we begin to understand and reframe why life is valuable. If we would take away all meaning of life, then life is not valuable. In other words, in schools today, uh, how do they teach the world came into existence? Boom. Yeah, accidental. So so really yeah. what we've got is our brains work uh, in a way that we say, well, we're all big accidental blobs of protoplasm. Yeah. You know, And if you're an accidental blob of protoplasm, where do you get your value? See, we're not thinking it through. It, it doesn't make any sense, but we're embracing the idea that we're accidental blobs of protoplasm. We think there's some freedom there. Then we're wondering why people are depressed and angry and, 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 and basically trying to, you know, why we use drugs that destroy us, why, why we get drunk all the time as a culture. I mean, well, because we're following the dictates of being an accidental blob of protoplasm. So that's kind of reframing things. The value of a human being and, and I say this very carefully because I was a kid that was once in a wheelchair. And, and I was a kid who was, was considered, you know, was physically not able to be normal like the rest of the kids in my neighborhood and, and do things that everybody else did. I had to struggle with what made me valuable. Hmm. What was it that, that, that made me an important person? Because, uh, you know, I gained too much weight. I couldn't do sports. I'm really not that smart. I can't spell worth a lick. You know, I mean... But before you know it, math is terrible. I still got to count on my fingers and toes, and you go beyond that, I have trouble. And here I am. I'm sitting in class. I'm not a great student. I'm not very athletic. I'm, I'm gaining a lot of weight from sitting around. I'm not very much to look at. So, so what is it that makes me valuable? See, I got to struggle with that. And, and really, until I understood the fact that my value did not come from this world, it did not come from the things I have it did not come from the money. It did not come from the fame. It did not come from the athleticism. It did not. It came because I actually was created by a loving God with a value and a purpose. And when I understood that, then no matter what else happened in life, I began to live in a manner that my life actually had meaning and purpose. And you know, Jason or Jeff, you guys didn't give it to me. God did. So you can't take it away. Because you didn't give it to me. God did. And, and even though I, I, I'm, I'm one that still struggles, as you know, with various physical ailments, they, they aren't debilitating or anything, but they're, they're enough there to be irritating. It's not because I am healthy and young and athletic and, and, and all that kind of stuff now that, that makes me valuable. I am very concerned because we are in an educational system at this point where uh, we have tried to figure out how to make young people feel valuable in a system that keeps telling them they're accidental blobs of protoplasm. 
And so we have to give participation awards to do that, and we have to give awards for walking across classrooms and not tripping and and all kinds of things. And (laughs) that's not what makes somebody valuable, and we're missing out on what makes us valuable. So I'd love to hear your comments on on just that that perspective, if if I could. Yeah, Josh, I'd like to hear from you. Uh, what is what what gives a person value you've seen a lot of suffering you've seen a lot of people that are at really the lowest of low points the most hopeless that they've ever been you've probably maybe you've been there yourself maybe you've looked into someone's eyes and you could just you almost see right through them how do you know that you have value uh, uh to add on that point uh sometimes when uh, you know in our souls there is always a uh, let me call it haunting uh, you are looking for value in, in life Maybe sometimes you may try out and say, maybe my friends, if they love me so much, then I would gain value. Maybe if I become famous, everyone will love me. But there comes a time when you sit in the silence and you still feel there is no value in your life. And I believe, and I always say this, that God is the true test of life. Once you take that test of life, you will learn to live and you learn that you are valuable because God valued you to make you and to allow you to live on this earth, you live knowing that even if no one loves me, even if no one is paying attention to what is in my eyes, to the pain that I'm experiencing, there is a God that is deeper in my heart, hearing the sentiments and the feelings that come from my heart. Because even if we say that you have married and oh, you have children, they won't give you, they won't occupy that space, but it's God that occupies the space that stands in man. You know, this guy's only 17, right? Absolutely. And I hope that the 17-year-olds that are listening are, are paying attention to that. The, 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 the struggles that he has gone through uh, are struggles that have matured him and caused him to understand God in a, in a real way. And, um, and a lot of times in our country, we push those struggles away thinking that God does not love us, when in reality, he's using them to draw us to himself. We are valuable. And God loves us. He's not a God that wants to punish. He wants to draw us in, and we have to understand that. Any thoughts, Jason? No, you're good. <laughs> I, how do you follow that? How do you follow that, really? I, I don't even know. Amen. I don't, yeah. I don't even know how to follow that. I mean, that's we could end the show right now. We're not going to do that. We're going to take a break here on the show. You can join us on that tweet back and share some of your thoughts as well. What gives you value? How do you know that you have value in your life. Joshua said it well. If you missed that, you will be able to catch the podcast after the show at HopeNet360.com. This conversation will continue here on HopeNet Radio. If you're going through something tonight, a live coach is waiting to talk to you at HopeNet360.com. Hi, this is Dave Wager, a voice you normally hear on HopeNet Radio. And when I'm not doing radio, one of my favorite things to do is teach at the Nicolay Bible Institute. I invite you to check out this one-year Bible and service program at NicolayBibleInstitute.org. This is HopeNet Radio. Feel free to email the show, hope at hopenet360.com. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome back to the show. Join us tonight on the Tweetback. Use the hashtag HNRTB. Also, if you're going through something tonight, you're struggling, you're just wondering, man, I don't even know why I have worth. Go and chat with a live coach right now at hopenet360.com. Also, don't forget to check out our events calendar. Lots of things coming up in January, which we'll talk about in the next part of our conversation. There's some good things going on. Perspectives class is coming up. You can find out more details at hopenet360.com under events. So, Jeff, DW, Terra Jason, and our friend Joshua tonight with you on the show. 
And guys, this generation, one of the things that I think I enjoy studying, I don't know about you guys, but I get kind of geeked out about is learning about the new generation of young people that's coming up. Aren't, aren't you that generation? I'm no longer the newest generation. Whoa. Of. Congratulations. Whoa. Yeah. I'm- when you see toys that you've played with as a child in the antique section at the store, you know Ooh. you're well, the next generation. <laughs> that, that can be, yeah, that could be true. Dave probably, I don't even know where are Dave's toys at these days. Yeah, well, never mind. Well, some of the Fisher Price toys and stuff I played with as a kid. One day I went to this garage sale and they had sectioned everything off and it was in like the collectibles, like antique section. All I care about is they still make Hot Wheels cars and all, uh, you know, Legos. I got my son his first package of Legos for his birthday. So I'm excited about these toys that I used to play with and now my kids are playing with. But the problem is. The problem is, is they don't they don't build them like they used to. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. What? It's true. Legos are still the same, though. No. But they all come in sets where it tells you this is what you're supposed to build out of these Legos. Yeah. Like, as no. a kid, they just give you a big you know, box and you're supposed to create whatever and you then, create. And then, I got a big box and I got a set. And then the cars, they're all plastic. Yeah, we ruined, Back in the day, they are nice yeah. metal, no. durable. We ruined everything. I went to I the dentist you. and I said, you know, can I upgrade? I got to get dentures. Can I upgrade from wood to, you know, something else? And... and he kind of laughed at me. But, you know, the, the, the bottom line, you know, we had a fire up here recently at camp, and people donated us stuff, and there was a, a drill press that somebody donated us to. And I'm telling you something, that thing must have been built in 1900, I mean, the year 1900. It is industrial. It will not stop. I do not think that um, anybody in this day and age even knows how to use that thing because if, if you get something caught in it, it's going to spin the whole room. It is not going to stop. Um, it, it, they make things differently. I agree with Jason. It's totally different to today yeah. than they used to. You used to be able to take toys and like throw them down the stairs. Oh, it's true. And they mm-hmm. and they survived. Well, and what they've done now is they take the quote unquote vintage toys. Yeah. You know that we grew up with, and they remake them so that like oh, as parents, like you can have the toys that you had as a child. What, what's a vintage toy? Which, which is what is a vintage? Toy? Well, the one that I'm thinking of, my son has this. It's a cube, like a wooden cube, and it's the one where you have like the shape blocks, and you have to put in the correct hole. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. This wooden box is like made of like balsa wood. <laughs> I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm like. <laughs> I'm like he sneezes and this thing is gonna break, yeah. you know. <laughs> Big bad wolf. <laughs> do they have Do they have GI Joe anymore? Because I used to have a GI Joe, and I would find girls that had Barbies and go terrorize them with my GI Joe. I thought that guy was no G. longer Joe's PC. GI Joe's like politically correct. Yeah. yeah. You played with Barbies? No, no GI Joe. I had the GI Joe man. He was flying. He would he would get them from you know he would get them from surprise angles and stuff and just jump on them and you know. That's, that's but good. they don't have those anymore. I don't think do they. No, they. I think they did, they do or did for a while because they had the GI Joe movies that came out. Oh, there you go. Never had a cabbage patch though. Wasn't my thing. Now they have Peacemaking Pete instead of GI Joe. Peacemaking Pete. Yeah. Wow. Honestly, as a little boy, that's not appealing. I've never heard of oh, this. For no, I'm just kidding. I made it up. But it sounds like something that there would be. I'm sorry. Peacemaking Pete. <laughs> Help me. No, I'm just kidding. I made it up. <laughs> Although if I Google it, you probably could find something like it. One of my favorite Christmas movies to watch is the Home Alone series. And I enjoy oh, yes. how Kevin sets up his G.I. Joes and takes them out. You know, that, that's one of my that's favorite right, scenes. I never did that as a kid. I wish I would have had a BB gun because he's all boy. Awesome. Man, he's Wait, all th- boy. Those are army men. Yeah, they G.I. weren't G.I. Joes. They were oh, army men. Same difference. I, they were small. Oh, there's, no, there's a huge difference <laughs> yeah. between that G.I. Joe. No, you know that I used to make lead soldiers what i used to make them 
Yeah, they, they had these mold days. I, that was before we knew lead caused you to be nuts. But uh, <laughs> I, it explains a lot. Yeah, yeah. keep going. We, we actually in Chicago would go down the alleys and and we'd go through the garbage we'd, on garbage day, and we would find le- old lead pipes and we'd take them home, we melt them down, and we would pour them into these molds and we made our own soldiers. And so we had these these whole army sets of lead soldiers and tanks and all the stuff that we just made. <laughs> So I, I'm sure I ingested plenty of that stuff, but wow, I'm still that's here. Good. So that's good. Yeah, you know that was common in my day, though. People didn't know it. You know, they just threw lead around. <laughs> that's what they did for fun. They just threw lead around. Yeah, we just would melt lead and throw it at each other. I, no, not really, but we did. I mean, nobody knew that lead was bad for you, and they certainly it wouldn't. We used to have what was called the dime store, you know, and now it's a Dollar Tree or something. But we used to have the, the dime store, and you go there and you could buy. All kinds of stuff that they would ban today is unhealthy, I guess. But you know, we, we did a lot of stuff. We we used to actually spend a lot of time making gifts and, and I, like the first bicycles we had, we'd go through the again the alleys in Chicago and we'd pick up bike parts and we'd make our own bikes. So I mean, life used to be different than what we did. So it's it, it's a lot different today. Yeah, and it, it's always interesting to look at how generations are different. And so classification-wise, I don't like stereotypes. I don't like putting people in a box. But as far as understanding what we're talking about tonight, the different generations that are collaboratively living together today are the boomer generation from the mid-1940s through 1964, the Gen X generation from the 60s, mid-60s to late 70s, 1978, and then there's my generation, the millennial generation from about 1979, some point in 1979 or 1982 until 1996, and then the newest generation that we're now finding out some information about and learning about today is this centennial generation, and this comes from the future company that the millennials are no longer in the building it's now the centennial generation from 1997 through today and our friend joshua tonight fits in that but i think joshua has such perspective that you'd probably break some of the molds on how we would look at this next generation because both your perspective the things you've experienced in your life have really given you more of a mature understanding of how the world works both on the real negative side of it, the persecution, the the evils that exist in the world today, but then also how God really is real and how he comes through in, in times that are really, they seem impossible in our world. And I think when we look at this culture, when we look at the new generation, there are some things, we'll put this in, the, in our show notes tonight at hopenet360.com of how these generations differ. But I think it's it's important, and why we do this show a lot of times is to try to connect generations together, to come to understand each other better. Like like we talked about, Dave. I mean, having army men or GI Joes or lead stuff. I mean, understanding how we have fun together will break down some of those walls. I think between yeah. generations, and if we can actually have fun together and and get back to some of those, I think. In a way, Dave, the generations aren't necessarily a bad thing oh, that no. sometimes we get perceived as today. No, no. You know what? Experience is wasted on the old people like myself. And what, what needs to happen is that we need to give that to the young people uh, instead of just sit there and watch television or something. Um, what's interesting is nothing really has changed. I mean, there's been a lot of, of things that have changed. You go to the moon. I mean, I guess that's so yesterday when I was a kid. We were talking about that in the future. You do things that you've never done before, and that's fine. That's There's still what you have to understand. The reframing idea is there are some things that will never, ever, ever change. 
relationships are still the most important thing. Relationship with God, relationship with each other. I don't care what generation you're part of. That's the most important issue in your life. And, and then sin. Sin separates you from relationships. That is not changed ever. That is still there. When I went to Uganda, actually, and all other places around the world, I can actually teach the Bible because you could teach things that have never changed and are appropriate in every culture in every time. And that's what the things that we have to focus on. There are some things that we need to reframe and talk about that actually help us understand things that will not change so that we need to adapt to them. Otherwise, we're the ones that lose. And uh, this series is going to be very important. So I hope people pull up a chair and listen. And as they miss parts of it or whatever, they go back and get the, the podcast. And, and uh, hopefully we can be uh, shedding some light on some things that can be very helpful. And when we come back, we're going to open up this beginning of really what our next episode is going to be about on HopeNet Radio is who gives me my identity? I think a lot of times when I talk about reframing myself, what I'm really saying is, who am I? What's my identity? Uh, where do I get that from? Is it from genetics? Is it from experience? Is it from education? Is it from even my religion, societal norms? We have so many influencers today that really, in a way, we allow those things to define who I am. And so this is an important thing when we're talking about reframing me. And I hope you'll join us for the next episode. We are going to continue this conversation. It's important. We'll give some final thoughts when we come back here on the show, really of how we can put this into practical use and to begin to open that conversation up about who I am and then talk about some of these other things that we'll discuss in coming episodes. So keep it right here on HopeNet Radio. Love HopeNet Radio? Stay in contact all week long at HopeNet360.com. This is HopeNet Radio. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Hashtag HNR. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome back to HopeNet Radio. Jeff, DW, Jason, Terake on the show. Wrapping things up tonight. And Joshua, I want to say thank you for coming on the show and sharing some insights. For 17, you've got a great head on your shoulders. And I'm excited. I don't know how much of the journey I'll be able to share with you, but I hope America becomes home for you. But I also hope that if God brings you back to Uganda or the Congo, that he uses you there for some mighty work there. So just keep up the good work. And thank you for coming on the show tonight. Yep. So, uh, guys, we've been chatting about really what is going to become the series over the next month or so and talking about reframing some things. And I closed up the last segment talking about how my identity is formed. And identity, even to the millennial generation, I think as generations go on, and maybe, Dave, you can help uh, share some insights to this, but identity, who I am, has become increasingly more of an issue in our in our culture and our society today that that is a very important thing understanding who i am has really become central to a lot of people's life purpose it seems like we have to really chisel out who i am my identity and and joshua said it really well he said uh, a lot of times what he had to do is maybe if i become popular or if i become famous some kind of a celebrity or that i go on and i get you know certain qualifications in my education uh whether it's a college or maybe become a doctor or something if i you know just build up my prestigious accolades that then i'll have some significance then i'll have a real identity that people will respect that people will think is valuable and that that's where i get my value from and i think guys we've talked about this quite a bit on the show is that a, a scary thing maybe to look at how our identity is shaped today yeah, it is. You know, I, one of the interesting things is is that if your identity is in the wrong place, you're always going to be disappointed in life. 
And so if you're always disappointed, that gives you the clue that your identity is coming from the wrong place. Because once you get it in the right place, uh, you are not disappointed anymore. We've said it before on the program. If, you, if you're angry with God, you, you don't know him. If you're disappointed with God, you don't know him. If, you're, if you think God has cheated you, you don't know him. The answer to all of those things is getting to know God. It isn't trying to make a new God that fits your description. It, it, many of the people that are listening have, have never met Jason uh, in real life. And, and so they may have an impression of what he looks like and how tall he is and all that kind of thing. They don't know that he's only four foot three and, I mean, all that kind of stuff. But, uh, it, yeah. <laughs> but you know, we, the, the interesting thing is if you have decided before you ever meet Jason who he is, when you do meet him, I guarantee disappointment because you've decided who he is already. You have not allowed Jason to be who he is and discover who he is. Likewise with God, there's way too much in America, people deciding who God is, deciding what God must do, deciding how God must act, and then they wonder why they're disappointed in their own life because, after all, the God they created is not fulfilling their needs. And, and, and a created God is not going to fulfill anybody's needs. A discovered God can, because there is only one God, and we need to position ourselves to discover him. You know, I think when we think about identity, too, I think it's it's something that a lot of young people struggle with. And and even as they, they decide who they are as a person, you know, they go through that awkward stage, junior high, high school, and there's a lot of pressures and stuff. And with a world that is so focused on building your identity outside of yourself. I mean, you look at media for a second, and if you look at it objectively and and look at the, the information that it's feeding you and, and just the way that it's saying how you should live your life, if you're basing your life off of that, then you're never going to be satisfied. And just like Dave was saying, you know, it comes to the point of being able to put all those things aside, and you're not living for, you know, your friend. You're not living for the image that, you know, is is perfect that you're never going to reach to. It's about realizing that, that God is your Savior. He created you as you, and how can you embrace that and show other people who He is? Because mm. otherwise, really what you guys end up doing is we we find our identity in maybe my genetics, you know, how I, what tribe I was from. Joshua talked about some of the things that he's experienced growing up. And for some people that hate other people just because of the family they were born into or because of the color of their skin or because of the level of income they have, you know, these are all different things. We try to base our identity on things that are of this world. If we don't put it on God, which is where our identity should be in, what we end up doing, like Dave said, is we put it into things like media and television. We look at other people to define who I am and to give me value and to, to, to basically tell me why I'm valuable. Maybe it's because, you know, I, I feel that because my education level is so high or maybe so low that I have more or I have less value than other people. I, I think it's really important that we shape this well, that if we're going to really reframe and take a look at, kind of tear down some of the presuppositions, some of the stereotypes that we've been given over our life by other people, by the things that people have told us, it's really important to, to know where we need to put our identity, where to really put our hope and our trust in, and that is really in God. So I think as we wrap up this show, some real practical things, some conversation starters, a couple of things. You know, how do we how do we go against sometimes what we feel? 
things that people tell us over the years, some things that we've experienced in our life. Uh, maybe your parents left you at a young age, and so we feel like we are worthless and that we don't have any value because there are things that people have in their life that they feel give them value. And because I'm alone, because even my own family deserted me at a young age, I just don't feel like I have value. Dave, you talk a lot about resistance, resistance in life, spiritual resistance. Even spiritually, there are things that happen, not even in a Christian sort of sense, but Things that spiritually become overwhelming to us, where you know, coupled in with our feelings gets us into this identity circle where, man, I don't feel like I deserve this. I, I feel like I'm always being butted up against. Someone's got an issue with me. Um, and, you know, and then also, you know, not feeling like I really have a desire to be valued. These are some real, uh, very common things in talking with young people that when we talk about hopelessness and we talk about struggle and, and despair in life that a lot of times we don't feel we have value. We don't think we have value because uh, people are always against us. And then, you know, we just don't have a desire then to be valuable. Dave, what would you say to a young person who is, who's just saying, you know, I don't think I have value. I don't think that anyone's ever going to see me as valuable. I'm just going to keep being who I am and just kind of this accidental kind of accident going along in life until I don't know. Yeah, I would say you bought the lie, and I would, I would encourage you to relook at uh, trying to discover who God is and why God created the world, why he created you. And uh, I would even invite you to go to HopeNet360.com and talk to a live coach right now and tell them, I just don't feel valued and, and see where the conversation goes, because we do want to open the conversation for that. Um, I do believe, as one who was a, a, a child in a wheelchair one day and, and, and all that kind of stuff, I do believe that, that God has given me a tremendous, tremendously important life to live. And, and nobody can take that away because God gave it to me. And you need to come to that understanding or you're going to struggle all your life. One of the things that you say that I think is going to set up this whole reframing series itself is that our understanding, my understanding, your understanding, it leads to your belief system. Eventually, your belief system determines your life choices. Both your understanding and your belief system do not determine truth. And they'll be proven foolish one day if it is not yielded to truth. And Dave, we're going to unpack that in the coming episodes on this show. Any thought to that? Yeah, you know what? Truth stands by itself, and it really liberates you. It makes you free. And if you're trying to make it up, you're going to be miserable. So stay tuned for the next week's programs, and let's, let's get you on the same page. Special thanks to Tara Kay for joining us on the show. Remember to check out the events calendar. Lots of things going on in January to be aware of. Check out HopeNet360.com for that. Plus, our show notes are there and the podcast for this episode as well. You're going to want to share this one with your friends. I'm telling you what, this has been a fun conversation, guys. Thank you guys so much for being a part of this conversation. We'll see you online in next week. Bye. Right. Later. 